Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to episode 86 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. Dan, tell everybody what we will be breaking down today. So this week, unlike other weeks where we were discussing other songs and other styles, and we were talking about, you know, the 10 that we like and the 10 that we think are the best. And then we would put them in order and talk about the songs and why we chose them that way. I'm starting to see what you're doing here. So I am doing an extremely long intro to introduce our category this week. And that is because we are counting down our top 10 songs with a long ass intro. A song that for me, I, my, my only rule that I kept was I was like, I want over, over or as close to a full minute. As I could get. Yeah. Like, I was like, it's got to be like, because some, I was like pulling up, I was Googling and they'd give me a song and I was like, it's like fucking 14 seconds. I know. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the same thing, but then, um, not to brag, but I actually got all of mine over too. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. So I originally had a bunch that are in the B-sides that are over a minute and they're all well-deserving songs, but then I, I realized, you know, I could make this all over, too, and I did, and that's how I, I came up with my final five. So I'm a little uh, proud of myself this week. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty good. I did not I did not do that. I have a few that are pretty long, but, like, I didn't I, – I, now I wish I did that. Mine, uh, they operate in a sliding scale, so you'll notice that my fifth song is the shortest of the intros – with my first song being the longest. Nice. I didn't put them in order of which ones I like best this week, but I was like, you know what? Let's let's ramp up the amount of intro for each song. I like that. I almost did the same thing. My third track is the longest, but the top two I like so much more. So it, it for the most part goes in order, but uh but with that one pretty big exception. Um, <laughs> because order, basically, except for that part where it doesn't. Except for the fact that it doesn't at all. This was a cool one. Um, it really, there were a couple things that jumped out to me right away, and some that didn't grab me so much immediately. But as I started digging into it more, I realized that, that uh, some of these deserve to be in here. And some definitely different artists for me that I don't usually talk about uh or haven't talked about yeah, i found um, it was i was going cool. through and like looking up a lot of stuff a lot of prog prog is like yeah and it, yeah is you know i didn't pull a few but like you know and i noticed like uh or not in your picks too but like king crimson yeah dream theater half of their goddamn catalog it's all that's is, kind of par for the course with yeah. those guys you know they're it's all it's all par fives if you know to, to yeah. kind of tie that uh pun together there but um yeah it's just it, it that's what you get with that. You know, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I agree. I didn't feel like that was necessary to include in here either. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is fun. This is coming off the heels of a haterade episode, um, where I feel like, um, we got a little bit more pushback on that last one than we have before, but I like it. I like having the, I like the discourse. I like having the conversation with people. Um, I stand by my choices. <laughs> I'm not going to be swayed. Um, Weirdly, I have – I told you before we started recording, I've listened to the D.D. King record more times now than I wish to admit. Um, I feel like that's, I like, that's like self-flagellation. I like anything that involves whips. 
Hmm. Interesting. I'm sticking with it. Okay. Um. So, yeah. Um. I still can't get over. We were talking about this before that uh, D.D. King claims he's half American, half German. Like, fucking 23 and Me is gonna send him results <laughs> to say he's 50 percent American, but whatever. Um. Like that's 50 percent mutant. <laughs> this is this is definitely interesting. It's definitely gonna give us a chance to talk about not exclusively new artists that we haven't touched on, but. Definitely open some more doors, and I think that's part of the appeal of what we're doing and uh, or what we're trying to do, and what what the our research for us is doing, and you know what music in general is is, is what makes it cool. Like you know, it's not always just listening to the Beatles and doing this, you know, doing the same thing every no, week. Yeah. Like this is a cool new avenue, and I and I'm really pumped. Yeah. Imagine uh, if you went list. to a buffet and it was just all the same food. Yeah. Like, you ever see somebody that, like, just eats, like, the general sales, and that's, like, it, and you're just like, come on now. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, why Why are you here? Yeah, like. You could have well, just ordered two of those. That's the one I like. Have you tried the other ones? No. Well, then how do you know that's all you like? Yeah, like, like let's be honest. Like, most buffets, probably not the best food anyway. But Almost never. Yeah. You're guaranteed. Yeah. Um, Never. Actually, yeah, no. I don't think I've ever had one where it's like, wow, that's amazing. Now, the smorgasbord. Is yeah, that, smorgasbord. Yeah, that's that place is that's, pretty good. That's a different. That's a different but animal. Like, even that, it's not even called a buffet technically. Like even so, I think people beat that place off a little bit. And yeah. like I'm like, look, man, sure, it's good, it's, but it's, it's a better, but it's a buffet. buffet than most buffets. But it's still and I think a what's it called is up there too. Uh, the Henning's buffet. Yeah, At Henning's, Henning's is pretty good. That's pretty, dude. Like that's nobody's the only, listening. The only to reason to go to that grocery talking. store. <laughs> It's dude. I don't care. I don't care. Henning's buffet in Harleysville. That it's shit legit. is great. It's, it is really good. Like it's it's surprisingly you get it and it's like twelve bucks. It's crazy. Those Mennonites know how to keep food lukewarm. They do, man. Yeah. <laughs> they know. Um. So anyway, uh, we're all crazy Mennonites. Yeah. Um. Calling yeah. back to my previous number one. All right. So what um what kind of B sides did you have this week for uh for some of these so long boys? B sides. If we're going classic, classic B sides. I'll start with uh, one we talked about a little bit when we were talking about uh, craft work and electronic stuff and things like that. Uh, Bob O'Reilly by The Who. Yeah, that was on mine too. Big long. Obviously, that's like a three minute intro and it's great. Um, And for the longest time, I thought that song was called Teenage Wasteland because that's what I downloaded it off LimeWire as. And. That's, that's because what that's was. what like some old man thought it was called Dude, for his entire life. I remember listening to the radio and they like called it that. They were like, "Up next, the Who with Teenage Wasteland." Definitely and, a like, little Mandela effect. I'm gonna uh, say. Yeah, here. I definitely imagine. I'm gonna call. It. I'm gonna call it. Because no old radio disc jockey doesn't know what the fucking. Song no is chance, called. dude. Those um, dudes take their job more seriously than anybody. Absolutely. Uh, New York City Serenade by Bruce Springsteen. Also, big good long one. Also, uh, probably the least respected Bruce record that I think deserves more, deserves more attention. Um, I like how you said "big good long one." Yeah, big good long one. It's it's how many, really like how many like especially Bruce is not like that's not his thing. Like he is three minute. I've songs. seen him on stage, but I mean he's he's three minute songs. Like you know, verse, oh we're talking verse, about songs. Verse. That's what I mean. Like oh yeah yeah a big long intro. You're like Springsteen, like interesting, <laughs> just yeah. not not someone you would assume. No, would have that, but it's it's a really good. Long I've got intro. I've got some of those in here too, though. I think. Uh, oh, dude, War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Yeah, um, definitely. The, I mean, the air raid horn into just ten minutes of doom, 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 doom. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, 
one that I previously picked on another episode for songs that make you want to dance. Uh, I think that's what I chose it as. Uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone by The Temptations. Yeah. It's like a two-minute full intro before At anybody least, starts yeah. singing. That's a long-ass one. Um, yep. The claps are what makes it. Uh, it's the best I like part. just random horns yeah. like throughout. Like, uh, and then for the, the more modern that I'll stick to, uh, just a few here. Uh, I want to be adored by the Stone Roses. Yes, that was on mine. Damn it! Big long one. Uh, that's real good. Great song. Uh, one of the song's... one of my favorite songs ever. The Stone Roses is great. The Birth of Britpop. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Cab for Cutie. I'll possess your heart. Yeah. Especially, I mean, the radio edit. I'm I'm not here for it. Play me the full version. Yeah, I, I was gonna mention it in my B sides too. It's just, it's just too long it's too long it's way too long it is like and it then could be you... it could be you could chop a full two minutes off it and it'd still be a long intro and be fine cook a whole goddamn roaster in that one <laughs> yeah um it's i think my issue with it is that it came out it was like the first single after plans if i'm remembering this correctly it was yep. the first single after plans and it's 11 minutes long and yeah. it's like oh okay all right that's fine but I think it was like, you know, the more of the signal of what was to come for them and not so much like the early stuff. And I think that that's kind of like when I started. I like the record, but I certainly prefer everything before that far more. I see. I'm in the in the realm of I do not think Plans is a great record. I don't think it's, I think it's anywhere near as good as transatlanticism. Oh, or, that's that's very true. But yeah, I think narrows... transatlanticism's the end. It's also the last one Chris Wallop produces. Yes, and, and I, I think, think once they make that transition on plans, it's decidedly different. It is, but I think I always thought that Narrow Stairs is a better record than Plans. I don't agree. I think that there are more good songs on Plans or on See? You know that I made that mistake. Um, but I think there are more good songs on Narrow Stairs than there are on Plans. Well, Where plans I think your first statement is, was more accurate. Plans for me is the radio hits. Like, Kath is great. No, that's Narrow Stairs. Um, or what's what's that? Uh, I, or I'll Follow You Into the Dark. Mm-hmm. That's is good. Uh, Summer Skin. Summer Skin's on there, yeah. And then Soul Meets Body. Yeah. I don't think any other song from that record is worth hearing. Um, marching bands in Manhattan. I, I and also I know, really like. I know yeah. you'll disagree yeah, massively, I, I, but I, I think I think that's the f- maybe just because it was the closest to transatlanticism, and it, I still had the like high of that I, record. From I think it's to them. such a different flavor than transatlanticism. Oh, it's completely different. That like I yeah. I dislike it. And it was way too overproduced. All of it has been ever since. And I feel like narrow stairs is the last. It's. First of all, it's Chris Wallace's last record with the band. Also true. But yeah, he stopped producing their records mm-hmm. after Transatlanticism, Transatlanticism, left the band as the full, think, full-time guitar player after And I after think it's the, last, it's the last good Death Cab for Cutie record. That is for sure. Codes and the, Keys the, is not for me. Not interesting. for sure true. And yeah. then I think that it also is... We, we agree that it ends there. We just disagree on which whether the better ending was plans or yeah, downstairs. you believe that it, it tapered a slow decline after. Yes. And I believe it's definitely not as good as transatlanticism, but I think there are so many really good songs on now. I like a lot of them. Like, I just think plans is better. Uh, but anyway, we're getting way off track here. 
about Death Cab. So the last B-side I have that I'll say is Old Man Gloom. The song is called Rats off the record. No, it's like a crazy like five minute intro. But I took it off because I was like, if you're like an avant-garde noise sludge band, who's to say when intro starts? Yeah. You know what I mean? That I'm like, yeah. if you're if you're if part of your genre is noise, then I can't be like, well, everything up until the singing starts is intro. Cause it's not. It's like it's just no man, that's the song. Yeah. Like the singing is the outro. Right. And you're like, okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, like what per- at what percentage do you make the difference? Yeah. Like at over thirty three percent of what the song. What point were you is building this, yeah. and what point is just this is the song? Yeah, yeah. So I had to leave that off, uh and take it out of my B sides. What do you got for B sides, Dave? Um a couple of the same ones that you had mentioned, then Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. Not super long, but it's a little longer. Uh, Darling by Real Estate. Uh, All My Friends that you had used on a previous episode. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, exercise, uh, one of uh, yeah. memory serves. Alter Ego by Tame Impala, probably their longest. And it's off their first record, which really like doesn't get discussed a whole lot when they were basically just like a psychedelic rock the, band. Is that Inner Speaker was the first one? Or is that Lone Yes, Inner Speaker. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, where did I go here? Oh, Coheed and Cambria and Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. I was never the biggest Coheed guy. Um, yeah. I don't think either of us are going to be in that boat. I dug that. I dug that song off of Good Apollo 4. I dig a lot of their songs. Like that. Yeah, they've got a lot of good songs. The big hit. I dug that song. I never I never delved further. I I like a lot of their music. I think that this record... I think it's called In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. I think yeah. it's the name of the album, too. Um, it's a great record. But, like, I just... I didn't, like, ride or die with them. I just... The the comparison of them just sounding like two dudes trying to show off at a guitar center, I think, is just pretty accurate for yeah. the most part for the band. Mm-hmm. They did have a lot of very catchy songs, but it just... It was never, like, the... I was never going to, like, you know, tie my wagon to their scene. I yeah. guess is the best way to explain it. Like, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was great, but I would never say, like, I'm a Coheed and Cambria fan. You know what I mean? Like, Especially, I don't know. Especially, like... Just out of weird... And, like, I never really dug Rush. Right. So, like, I was definitely not going to dig modern Rush. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The voice, it's really funny, because I love a lot of, like, high voice men songs. That's what did it for you? But, like, I don't know. It just... Maybe the whole thing... The prog's never been my jam. Yeah, me neither. So, like... I think that's what lost me. Like, yeah. for the same reason I don't like Tool is the reason I don't like Coheed and Cambria. Well, you never want your band to be named after something you call a dude who wears, like, Ed Hardy jeans. Or um, you call the people that are their fans. <laughs> also accurate. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Well done. All the Tool hate. Let it flow through me. Yeah. Well, well this isn't a hate one. This is uh, this is different. So let's uh, let's let's get into it. Um, why don't you kick us off, Dan, with your number five pick? So number five for me comes with from an artist I have used previously. This is PJ Harvey off of her third studio album titled To Bring You My Love. Um, and the song is titled To Bring You My Love. And it is her first song without the quote-unquote PJ Harvey trio. Or for her first album without the PJ Harvey trio. That was um, there for Rid of Me and... Uh, um, and dry, sorry, that's not on rid of me and dry. And it is her first real, like kind of proper solo album. 
where she writes all of the songs herself. Also, this is really cool because I think it's PJ Harvey as an English woman's filter of American blues music, which is kind of an interesting sort of sort of look at things. Yeah. Um, but it's got that kind of like, I feel like this record has that kind of sweat to it. Like you can hear like the slow burning, the slow build. Um, this will come to us with my shortest intro. A Like right under it is 58 seconds. So our vocal comes in just a little before where I can count it or that I would have gone full minute. But I love PJ Harvey so much. Yeah, she's great. But I had to have her on here. There's so much like bile to her like sound there's so much like so much like like simmering or smoldering rage to this song that i love the the very like lack of accompaniment the like overloaded microphone as it starts to like completely like the gain starts overdriving and like it's just uh it sounds like there's a person who like any minute it feels like a punch is gonna hit you in the face like you can it's like watching some drunk guy get drunker and drunker in the corner and he starts like staring at somebody and like shuffling his feet and you're like oh fuck it's about to pop off like something's about to happen here it does have that commercial kind of sound it's got that like what's about to happen what's gonna happen here yeah. like is something gonna happen yeah the scene when like the beer's being slowly drug across the bar right before the fight like somebody stamps like, it down and the or fight like the starts. cowboy like sheriff like that little swinging door in the saloon opens. Yes. And you're like, oh, fuck. And it makes it like, ching, ching, yes. ching. And you're like, oh. the big swinging dick just entered this room. <laughs> you're like, oh. I'm glad you mentioned that because this is a podcast about length. Yes. I, I really always thought this podcast was more about girth. But I guess for this episode. Well, it I think it depends on the song. So if you go with length. Um, I don't remember where I was, but I, I was at an event that would not have been appropriate to make the joke. Mm -hmm. And somebody was talking about, you know, length is really the most important thing. And without thinking at all, just I just went, I always heard girth is more important. And like, no one laughed. No one? No one. A full no sale. Were you at church? From, I don't know where I was. But I just remember just a no up. sale from everyone around. <laughs> no one said shit. So it just lived in the crowd. For like thirty seconds, everyone it just like and echoed then, off of different and then walls they just and just moved just on got with more whatever and more was just like going. shaking like heads. A, just it no, was nobody no, even. No. Everyone just like froze, like <laughs> to, to like unreal of just like a what happens now? Yeah, and it was just amazing. Um, that is, it's like perfect. one of my favorite jokes fell flat moments that it still makes me laugh thinking about. How uncomfortable it was, and like how it's the mark of a I, good joke. I, I literally <laughs> felt like I could. I wish I could reach out and shove the letters back in my mouth. Um, I'm glad you didn't. Like, I, yeah, like it. It's one of those. It's better probably as a story than it ever would have been as, yeah. a, as a joke. I, I wish, that like that happened, and you just like stood there, like dude, realizing you made a, a giant dick joke. I wish sometime from now. I'll like be at a bar or something or a hotel in some like other town and they'll recognize and you. I'll hear somebody tell the story about the time they were like on a tour group or something and somebody made like this horribly inappropriate joke 
and like how like and you'll just look just, at them from across the bar they, and lift your glass. To, yeah, like they had to try so hard not to laugh because it was so inappropriate. Yep. And yeah, and you'll I'll you'll lift like, the glass and give them that like wink and nod yeah, like at the same that, time. That like, Batman and Alfred at the end. And you'll just like disappear into dust like your fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> just throw my pocket <laughs> sand out. <laughs> Ninja vanish. <laughs> Did that really just happen? Was that the guy? <laughs> All right, so Dave, what do you got up for us at number five? All right, up at number five for me is Make Art Not Friends by Sturgill Simpson. Um, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck is Dave talking about a country singer? And I'm not quite sure that I am. Because admittedly, I don't really know too much about this guy. I came across this song. um, I probably mentioned it a few times on here. Uh, Discover Weekly is a big part of my... uh, weekly listening routine on Spotify. They seem to most weeks do a pretty good job of identifying music that is obscure and stuff that I probably wouldn't find on my own. Um, And this is not a plug. (laughs) Um, But I usually find a lot of good music that way. Whatever their algorithm is seems to do a a decent job with me. And this is a, a pretty good example. And I've always known the name and always consider the guy to be country. But as the song starts, we've got this long, um, really like electronic and, you know, arpeggiated intro part here that is different um, for somebody that would be a country artist for sure. Um, but it does a good job of kind of just setting up this artist from being a little bit different, I think, from what typically goes on in his genre. Now, he's he's been nominated and... Con- for and considered a rock artist in the past obviously genres and music is a gray area um but this you know for the most part seems like a country artist to me or somewhat of a country artist he he's very uh he's almost the antithesis of what national country has chosen to be yeah agreed he Um, kind of like how your uh bo burnham um guy kind of talks about like that that like uh, you know surface level country yeah. that a lot of people listen to. This is very different. This is the opposite of that, while still trying to be somewhat yeah. part of the scene. I he's, guess uh, he's he's brilliant. Where like he writes country music. He's a songwriter. I think very often um, that works. So like he got nominated for a country music award, and he spent the entire night busking out front. Rather than being a part of their festivities, so he, so this album was nominated for um, best rock album and best country album. It looks like at the Grammys, the 63rd Grammys in 2020. I guess their album came out in 2019. So yes, pretty interesting. So the thing I don't know if you know this about this album, but this album is actually a soundtrack. This is oh, if you don't know this, this is fucking no, great. This me. is gonna blow your fucking no, brain. No, no, I don't apart. know this. It is on Netflix currently. Okay. It is called Sound and Fury, and it is an anime. Oh. That he soundtracked the whole thing. I did not know Himself that. with this record. No shit. And so it is a full-length anime film. See, this is what happens when you don't look into music. A that country singer lands soundtracked on the whole movie. No shit. And he's fucking brilliant, dude. I love, I love this song. He's so good. He is one of the few episodes... Of the Joe Rogan podcast, I recommend uh, no, people no, no, not here. listen to. Not here. He, he, he's the reason. Joe Rogan's the reason he's famous. Um, 
I really think so. I, I, think I feel a like lot Joe people, Rogan thinks that he's the reason a lot of people are famous. But I think a but, lot of people found him through that. Really? And through that, he did a Tiny Desk concert. I've seen the Tiny that's Desk. That's really good. Yeah, uh, and that's his really record, good. Meta Modern, Meta Modern, uh, I don't remember the whole title. But he also put out this record called A Sailor's Guide. Okay. Um, that is incredible, man. He does a Nirvana sounds cover like, on there. Sounds like you should have chosen this song and He's, not me. I like Sturgill Simpson quite a lot. So I'm, if I'm starting to. If we did a country to. episode, he would be, he would be on there. Yeah, I mean, I... So first of all, I, I've got to mention that this is my shortest intro at two minutes and eight seconds. Um, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And I think that the idea of him, I mean, the, the lyrics being make art, not friends uh, in the chorus, like, guess I better stay home and make art, not friends is, you know, a lot of introverts out there are probably like using this as somewhat of an anthem. It's, it's, it's a pretty like unusual look at, uh, you know, stuff that people deal with, like, not not wanting to be social all the time or ever. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. it's I think it's also kind of his take on music in general of like and the industry probably. I could yeah. be more popular if I played the game a little, but like I'm not like, dude. He was a railroad worker until he was thirty. No shit. And literally, like he tells this great story about like basically the truck where he normally parked his truck for his break got crushed by like three train cars holy fuck and he was like well that's it for me fellas i'm gonna go sing some songs yep and was like, <laughs> i'll know, go meet joe rogan now that, yeah. that is a sign i'm out of here hey that's just like meeting joe rogan ain't it yeah, yeah. Um, and like all maddie tells a story about it that's like pretty insane and it's like, he was oh, like I, I, that's definitely like, well, done with this line of work one of those like get the fuck out of there now you know you you walked away i get lightning doesn't strike twice yeah but uh in rail in railroad accidents i I don't think that's that's the same math. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've always liked this song. It, like I said, it, it kind of came to me somewhat unexpectedly. Um, and it's one of the ones I I thought of, to be quite frank, last minute. And I was like, oh my god, I love that song and I better throw it on here. Um, I definitely need to listen to more of his music because if this is what you know, most of it sounds like, it I'm is, in. It is not. I would guess. Um, most of his music does that not was sound be like my this guess. song. Um, a lot of it is much more. So he's one of those guys that I think when you watch him play live or watch like an unplugged set, it's very different. His music that is on his records is much more like polished classic country, mm. but it's not bad. Like okay. it's more in the sense of like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel the same way about a lot of the, the modern guys like the, uh, you know, Nah. Was it Tyler Childers and like some of these guys that are really good? Did but you make like, that up? No, no, no. Oh, that's okay. a real name. Okay. Um, but he's also really good. Uh, but yeah, we'll say that we'll do a country episode one of these days, and I'll get to pull some of these guys out. All right, that are really good and talented. That I think people would like, especially if you're if you're a big fan of songwriters, you know, Dylan and yeah, people like that. You'd really dig some of these dudes, especially some okay. of these younger modern guys. Really All right. Cool. All right, Dan. Well. With that, why don't you take us over to your number four pick? Number four comes to us from me, from our localist band on this list, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes with Teddy Pendergrass coming straight out of Philly. Don't leave me this way. This is off of uh, Wake Up Everybody. This is my second second shortest intro that comes to us from a slightly longer minute five before the singing and vocal starts and everybody drops in 
But the singing starts a little bit before. You can hear... You can hear uh, Teddy start. And start to... Oh, baby, can you? Um, this record is on Philadelphia International Records. Came out in 75. Um, it's produced by the classic Gamble and Huff. If you don't know those names, you're a fucking moron. They produced every... <laughs> every great soul record ever like they work for philadelphia international they are every sam and dave harold melvin the blue notes teddy pendergrass they're absolutely patty labelle even they're incredible man um they are almost like a a a lennon mccartney of r&b they're incredible man um the level of the level of talent these two had and the songs they wrote and this song is, it's such a fucking massive disco dance anthem. It's so good, man. Like, it's been covered multiple times and sometimes more successfully by other artists. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this is, it just, it hits so big, dude. The strings, the, it's such a giant production. It's like, it reminds me of the, uh, like the Phil Spector, like, wall of sound. Yeah. When everything comes in, it's just like, boom, it hits you like a wave. This is the last album with Teddy Pendergrass that they had before he left for his solo career. Okay. So this was the final one that Teddy was like, I'll hang out here. We'll do this last one, and then then I'm going big. And he did. He became a massive solo artist. If you don't know about Teddy Pendergrass, he also crashed his car on, I believe it's Kelly Drive. That would make sense. And became paralyzed from like the chest down. Yeah. Um, That's not a very fun, like it's, yeah, you can't really fuck around on this road. It's rough, man. It really sucks. And especially he was pretty young when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, really pretty rough. I still think he'd probably still be performing if that hadn't happened to probably. him. Probably. Um, you know, you still see, you know, the temptations are still out. Well, some of them are still so out. I was going to say some. <laughs> Uh, Ruffin's not with him anymore Nope But uh Yeah this I don't really have too much more to say about I don't know too much about Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes I should know more about them Because of How local they are And how gigantic of an influence They had over the music scene From that point Yeah But I really don't have too much else for it Other than This is a song that absolutely makes me want to dance Has that disco the, the hi-hat on the upbeat always, always is great, man. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number four? All right. I knew we'd find a way to get him into a list sooner or later. Up at number four for me is I Need a Lover by John Mellencamp, or as he was known at the time of this release, Johnny Cougar, um, which was is he, was way Was he Johnny better. Cougar at this point? He was, yeah. So this is actually his first single, um, which is pretty crazy. And for the purposes of our list, it clocks in at a two minute and 31 second intro, which okay. um, for him is definitely unusual. Definitely not a, a prog rock guy. Um, <laughs> not the guy you would think would be doing these like long, elaborate uh, parts here. But um, I think this is probably one of the more. Can we call this classic rock? Can yeah. Can we title this classic rock? Yeah, I guess so. Is that okay? What year is this from? 79. Yeah, that, I just mean like, do we, yeah, like, does it, is it, is it soft rock? Is it classic rock? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like 
I didn't live through it. Like, it's almost like power pop. Like it's a weird. That's what I struggle yeah. with, I think. And I, and without living through it, I can't really say like what the like pulse on him was when it, when it was all coming out. But yeah, definitely a very memorable intro for sure. A lot of these riffs are some of maybe just because like I heard them at the beach all summer my entire life. But this song for sure is has got one of those almost like a. You could you could almost hum or mouth most of the parts of this without without hearing the rest of it if it wasn't on. It's it's um it's crazy. And for this to be his debut single for what he what kind of artist he became is pretty interesting to me because it feels like this is almost more of not necessarily a prog rock kind of thing, but it more of like a I I don't want to say it without giving away another choice on my list, but it reminds me of another artist that I'm going to mention later on. And um, definitely didn't continue that way. This is not this doesn't have the same vibe as like Pink Houses and Jack and Diane, in my opinion. Yeah. Although those are again, you know, songs I've heard millions of times throughout my yeah. life. This song's um, great. It's just it doesn't quite fill my quota about lyrics about sucking on chili dogs. Well, there can only be one. It's true. You know what I mean? It's like, true. There can be th- multiple songs. One Highlander. One song about sucking on a chili dog outside of Tyson. That Freeze. dude doing like karaoke. Oh yeah, you sent it to me. It's amazing. <laughs> That's the only way I'm doing the only karaoke. Lyric he keeps repeating. How did I say that karaoke? I think I said it right. Yeah. Karaoke from here on out is just, just the kooks. Yeah. Um, so this uh, it was a single originally, and it ended up coming out in '78, and then released uh, just in Australia, and was then included in his title uh his album um titled john cougar so he went from johnny cougar to john cougar um a, a very important distinction because nobody's going to take johnny cougar seriously as they would take john cougar yeah um have you ever met like a guy who's like 50 plus years old and goes by like johnny or bobby it's very rare and you're like it's true what are you doing yeah, that goes by the child version of their name. Right. It's like, no, n- not anymore, sir. Like, oh, call me Jimmy. Huh. No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, definitely not for me. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on him, especially after we talked about how he used some questionable language in the <laughs> yeah. last episode. But I just think that this is one of the more iconic... Yeah, man, this song's a banger. Yeah, it's... it's, it's very riffy for him, which is not. I guess Jack and Diane has a couple, couple notable riffs, but other than that, it's more the vocals that you think of. And this song is the exact opposite of the rest of his catalog. Yeah. Um, in that regard, it's lively. It's exciting. It's like, yeah, it's really. And it doesn't sound much- like it, you wouldn't think it was him. Um, yeah. If, if somebody didn't tell you, if you heard this song on on 1029 MGK for the first time, you would not know that this was John. Yeah. You would not know this was the Coops. You just true. Wouldn't. All right, Dan, um, with that out of the way, what do you have up for us with your number three pick? So next, number three for me, comes from us from a band I've talked about before, and I'll talk about some other times probably. This comes to us from Cave-In, off their 2011 record, White Silence. This song is called Sing My Loves. It is a banger from start to finish. The intro on this is... Oh, I had it here, and I lost it. The intro on this is a minute 57. So just short of two minutes we got here. 
We're ramping up, if you weren't sure. Um, this album this album is kind of a bit of an anomaly in the sense of this band had a very interesting trajectory where they started out on Hydrahead Records, put out their first record, put out their second record, got kind of some, some recognition. First album, very raw, very hardcore, very angular and scary. Second record, they kind of cornered the space rock market with Jupiter. Yeah. And then got signed to RCA Records, got put on a huge fat label and put out the record Antenna. And all of their fans hated it and it sold terribly. And I think it is... It is their Black album, but their fans hated it. And whereas... I still think there's some good songs on that record, just like I do with the Black Album. I can understand why people got so mad. However, unlike Metallica, they then went on a hiatus two years later and broke the band up before reforming three years later. They put out a little EP and then released this album in 2011, titled White Silence, that went back to a perfect blend of their first and second record, where it's heavy and it's aggressive and it's in their weird little tuning they use that they call secret C. Yeah. He's explained it before in a YouTube video and it's interesting. Yeah. It's a very strange little tuning that they use where it's basically standard, but also see it's, it's really weird. Yeah. It basically gives you a drone string essentially that it plays octaves with your a string um, is how it does. So, Normal chords can still be played, but when you drop to playing the low E, it's super low. And it's got, if you don't know, I also spoke about their bassist before, Caleb Schofield, who passed away in a tragic accident, but he's the person giving you the screamed vocal Mm -hmm. that is just, it's everything. It's, It's spacey, it's strong, it's heavy, it's riffy, the tones are excellent, the drums are good, like... It sounds well recorded, but it doesn't sound overproduced. Yeah. It's like everything I wanted this band to be, and that I love that they returned to being. Like they blew up big, tried to write a record that they thought would sell really well. It didn't work out, so they were like, fuck it, man, let's write the records we want to write. Yeah. And I love that And probably gained a lot of their fans back at the They same did, time. absolutely. And then when they came back after their hiatus and put out uh heavy pendulum this last year last year uh i mean it's everything you want it to be it's mm-hmm. like it's got the best of everything they do it's absolutely incredible uh this band rules everyone should go see them they're coming to philly with yob i believe in august everyone should go it's gonna be sick uh, band rules everyone should be into them yeah most people listening probably are i hope so i would hope so with that dave what do you got up for us at number three all right up at number three Three for me is Cold Little Heart by Michael Kiwanuka. Now, this is actually my longest intro. This one clocks in at five minutes and three seconds. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Can you believe that's, it? That's Have you really, heard about this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> we've seen this. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Have you got read this? Now, this is the most length that I have for an intro. Um, and it is it necessary? That's debatable. It's half the song. Is it necessary for me to drink my own piss? <laughs> no, but I do it because it's sterile and I like the taste. Um, 
Honestly, I don't think this one is quite as egregious, in my opinion, as what, like, um, uh, the Death Cap song that we were talking about before. Yeah. Mostly because I wasn't already a fan of this artist beforehand, so I didn't really have any stake in the game, I guess, at that point when I heard it for the first time. And I didn't hear the song for the first time uh, until it was on a television show as its intro. So um, five minutes and three seconds into this song, you may notice that this is the theme song from the show, Big Little Lies on HBO. Okay. Um, which was... I need to watch that show. I never did. It, I always thought their theme song was, Tell me lies, tell me big little honestly, lies. That we can I used tell you? to sing every time the commercials I, would come on. I, I thought the same thing. Yeah. And it took me a while for me to get over that. And then when they started playing, it was like, oh, this song kind of fucking rules. And yeah, he's, the show, he's fantastic. He right? is. Um, and the show is incredible. Uh, the, well, the first season of the show is really good. The second season, it was just like, oh, we got all these awesome female lead actresses in the show that are killing it. And everyone loves the show. How do we have a second season with Meryl Streep that's not based on the book? Yeah, you're like, um, but the book ends after the first season. Yeah, ah, We'll just wing it. We'll just wing it with Meryl Streep. People will love it. They're idiots anyway. Um, that's how I imagine they speak to each other when they talk about us. But um, this this artist is incredible. Um, so this is off of his second album um, that came out in 2016. It is titled Love and Hate. Um, and he's put out another one since, just titled Kiwanuka in 2019, that has another track on it that is uh, You Ain't the Problem that is maybe my favorite of his i don't know i go back and forth between these two um the fact that i i like that this is so this being the intro of the album gives it the opportunity to have this longer intro for you know lack of a better term um that kind of makes it make more sense than if it was just like a regular song like you know track nine in the album you wouldn't want a song with this kind of extended intro in it at that point in the record, but it, it fits here. And um, it builds and builds and builds and then kind of drops out and then comes into this like kind of soft, intimate song that is just beautiful, man. I think the guy is a, how do I want to explain this? He's not, he, he does a good job of kind of balancing a couple genres and being both a very clever guitar player and an incredible vocalist. Like, his voice is fantastic, but he's also writing some very just catchy, not flashy guitar riffs by any means, but they do what you need them to do, yeah. and they carry a pretty goddamn good melody for reminds, the most part. Reminds me of Steve Lacey in that sense of like... Yes, that's a like, good comparison. This is a really good songwriter with a somewhat basic grasp of electric guitar, is how, is how I hear, like, this solo. Not that well, I, know I would say that, but I would also say that he's maybe definitely a better vocalist than yeah. Steve Lacey. I like Steve Lacey a lot. We both do. But I think he's got – maybe maybe it's stylistic. Uh, the raspiness of, of Michael Kiwanuka's voice is more appealing to me than the Steve Lacey's voice. Yeah, I've always been – I've always preferred like a David Ruffin raspier kind of oh, voice. Oh, for sure. Like that is – Right there with you. That's that's my shit. Like that's that's what I want. I want, I want it – I wanted to sound like somebody's drinking sandpaper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like taking a shot of whiskey through sandpaper. Yeah. Whiskey uh, and cigarettes for 20 years yeah. before they started. Um, so the song, 
it's beautiful. Uh, it really is. It fits the show perfectly. The radio edit that they, you know, most people probably know is far shorter than this. Um, but the full-length version, including this long intro, is great. I mean, you know, do you need to listen to it every time you want to hear this song? Yeah, yeah maybe not. Maybe you could reach for the radio edit if you wanted to. But um, I don't think that it takes well, anything away from it. it. Yeah, I think it's. I think. It, I think it should be there, and I'm glad it is. And I don't. You know, I. I I wrestled with that a little bit because there's a radio edit, but I said, no, fuck that. Like, the, the real version of the song is nine minutes long and has a five-minute intro. Yeah. So that's that counts. And I, you know, I typically don't fuck with radio edits. And it's usually not, you know, it's not up to an artist whether they get a radio edit. No. That's the label's choice. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's who signs the checks, um, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so this is a good, a good song. Maybe you recognize it from the show. Maybe you're hearing it from the first time. Great artists either way. Um, hopefully, hopefully you dig it. Dan, what do you have up with your number two pick? So number two for me comes to us with an intro time of two minutes and 22 seconds. This is from an artist that may surprise some of you unless you know me very well and then it shouldn't surprise you at all. This is Incubus. The song is called Just a Phase. It's, I know you very well, and this does surprise me. <laughs> of their album Morning View from 2001, um, October 23rd, 2001. So I think a perfect record to come out during some of the tumultuous and unknowing of what the future may bring times that that was. Where I think this is... it's. If you don't know Incubus, they were kind of like a like a rap rock, rap metal group when they started out and then essentially blew up really big with the the first big record, Make Yourself, with like Stellar and uh, Pardon Me. They were kind of like hard rock songs where I, I think this record kind of traded some of that in for a much more like diverse sound and definitely much more like relaxed and chilled out. But also, like, it's it still got some neckbreaker songs. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's still some songs you that are, like, pretty cool and aggressive and fast and everything. But, like, I think these songs are what made me more interested in this group. Um, that was these long kind of winding, for lack of a better term, like, you know, like, hippy-dippy sort of tracks. Where, like, it reminds me of a guy, you know... This is a band, the only thing that I will say about this band that I have to admit straight up is like, this band is the, they are the band equivalent of White Dreads. Like, that yes. is this band. They yeah. are White Dreads. Yeah. Uh, this is but, Hollister in a song. Yeah, but like, also like, a person in a Hollister shirt that would tell you about I'm how, sorry, Paxson. This is Paxson like, in one song. But like, a person band, that I mean. would then like, would wear Nikes but tell you about how like, damaging like American capitalism is in other countries while like wearing shoes made by children and you're like I do I have a a pretty hard and fast rule of don't talk to any white person with dreadlocks yeah it's it's just don't I try not to close off too hard but like no I'm I'm closing (laughs) that door's slamming shut Dan yeah it's definitely uh like you see it and it just makes you go like huh you know exactly Um, how that's gonna go before it happens and I don't want any part of it um but this this record, I still like. I think it stands up. It went double platinum. It's their best-selling record, which is really funny because I remember when this record came out, um, a lot of people I knew hated it and said it was terrible and they didn't like it at all. And that 
really hurt my feelings because I really liked it a lot. I love this song a lot. Um, it starts out with this kind of like Eastern sounding sort of relaxed and then at the end just explodes as the just a phase becomes, you know, everybody's telling me it's just a phase and like it'll be over and everything's fine. And then just booms into this explosion of guitars and drums and like, and then there's all these like uh, <laughs> Beach Boys-esque doo-doo-doos that like start going off in the background that are like panned really interestingly so it sounds like it's surrounding you uh but i like it a lot and it's a super long intro it's probably the only song the only rock song that i will listen to that has turntables still um aside from any limp biscuit song but yes it, that I unironically like gotcha. with turntables good, in it. Good qualifier. Yeah, so Dave, what do you got up for us at number two? <laughs> All right. Up at number two for me is Foreplay Long Time by Boston. Uh, clocking in at my third longest with two minutes and 45 seconds of intro. Now, this is a little bit of a gray area because you might be thinking Foreplay slash Long Time are those two different songs. Um, they are one song. They are one song. Foreplay slash long time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of cheating, but not really because, you know, wherever it's released, it's one track with the same one song. They don't so, let you they don't let you play the one part without the other right. part. It's like how they ensured like uh, that you would play, you know, uh, we will rock you right before we are the champions. Yes. They've got to play them one and yeah. two. It's I'm like, not interested. It, we're, we're all flow here right now. We're just bundling your home and order yeah. together. I never I never want to hear we are the champions without first hearing we will rock you. Well, obviously. It's because, inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I think the only time that's ever happened was at the end of... Nope. They included both of those at the end of Prevention of the Nerds. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that, yeah, you're right. No, it's impossible. And you can't do it legally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Boston was the band I was alluding to earlier with with the Kooks, and I think his song sounds a lot like this. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it you would not be like I would not think anybody was crazy for thinking that his song was a Boston song because this is kind of what they do. I mean, they're they are the kings of this. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know like what what's What's the temperature gauge on Boston? Are we pro-Boston? I mean, I certainly think that they're the greatest band named after a city. Um, Can you name a better band named after a city? It's just between them and Chicago. That's the only two. That's probably, that I don't think I'd there's any others. Sure. There's got to be others, right? Nah, I don't think so. What about Kansas? I mean, that's not a city, but... Well, that'd be Kansas City. Yeah, they would be called Which is Kansas in Missouri, city. technically. What about the Bay City Rollers? That's not the name of the city, though. That's true. Unless it's called Bay City. I don't know. I, didn't, I'm not, <laughs> I haven't fact-checked that one. Yeah. Um, there's definitely like 100 more that I'm not thinking yeah. of. But between Boston and Chicago, Boston's infinitely cooler. They do a great uh, – that show, Two Minutes to Late Night, they yeah. covered this song with some members of Baroness. Nice. And his intro is, the song, this band's so good they named a city after him. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like how That's a good joke. That's a really funny yeah. joke. I like that. Yeah, I don't know I, – I find myself in a weird spot where like – I I enjoy Boston songs, but I've never looked past the Boston songs that I enjoy from more. I feel like this is the this is the song, and like outside of this, I'm like no. There's um, like two more, and then that's it. And yeah. I don't think I've ever even thought about. I've never even looked up their Spotify page. I've just been like, I found the two like on a playlist that I like, and then I just 
That's the that those are the ones I know. I've never bothered to look at any further. Yeah, you're like I've got what I need. Yeah, but which is weird because like I, I've, I've seen all I need to see. But like this song, this song rules. Like there's so many memorable guitar lines. The solo's fantastic. Yeah. Like there's so much and there's good riffage in this solos. Yeah. Like yeah. there's there's so many reasons for me to want to dig into this more, and I just never have. And I feel like there is a big filthy the clapping. Oh, great! Clapping. Oh man, great clapping. Great. The clap with the acoustic guitar riff, that is... And the the backing vocal. Yeah. Like, you don't, the yeah, harmony you... on this part. It's one of the hardest guitar uh, acoustic guitar riffs ever written. It's pretty good. Like, and it's Not just Not a lot of palm muting in acoustic. It's fun. Yeah, yeah it's, it's... And then the drum roll back in, ugh. The song is... It's a really, really fucking good song. It is. And, yeah, like I said, like, it's just... Everything about it's fantastic. As guitar players, we're obviously going to focus on the guitar riffs, which this song has plenty of. But you're right; the vocals are amazing. The dude's a great singer. Yeah. Um, but the key I, I don't parts know. that opens it are yeah, great. like everything about this. Like is organ great. sounds, the yep. ultimate classic rock, like cliche. Uh, it's just um, they, they. How do we bring organs back? How do we do it? Uh, I don't know, man. How do we, we gotta, do it? Like, you know why I don't think they'll ever come back? Because like. Have you ever tried to move a Hammond B3? Have you? Yes. You have? They weigh so fucking I know. Much. I know from hearing other people say that they have it's that ridiculous. they have, but I've like, never tried. I remember, uh, what's their name? That band, Kara Kara, that they tore with that fucking... That's just uh, silly. With that ridiculous... I was like, you'd Dude, have to have a separate trailer. Like, it weighs like 200 pounds. I mean, good for them. And like, yeah. do your thing. But like, like Ableton has Imagine has your keyboard plugins. player being like, guys, I'm going to bring two 8x10s with me. You'd be like... Fuck off! Like yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, but yeah, this song—it's uh, great. Man. But that—if you haven't seen that two minutes of late night one, it's brilliant. At the end, Brodsky like uh, key changes the solo from "Smells Like Teen Spirit" to fit it into it. Very very funny. So you don't. So this is—you said this is the only song from them you like, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you don't like more than a feeling. Uh I, I think I'm okay without it. Really? Um, you want to live I don't in a world. Hate it. If it comes on, I wouldn't change it, but like... But that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's probably like... Close my eyes Peace of Mind's also really good. These are all from the same I record, I don't think I too. know that song. It's good. These are all off the self-titled, right? Yeah, the they're one. all off the... It, they have so many records, too. I know. I know. And I just... I don't know what it it's is, like man. like Cars. E- you know what I mean? Like, you're like, Greatest Hits is just this first one. Like, uh, yeah, and like, why do we... Maybe a couple other peppered tracks from others, but... Maybe it's because we didn't live through it, but I definitely have a lot of blind spots for certain artists um, that I just, like, I've heard what I've heard, and I've liked it enough, but not enough to, like, you know, move the needle. I don't know, I don't... Which is weird, because I really like this song, and I don't understand why I haven't wanted to know more about it. Yeah. But that's just the world we live in. I guess. It's true. Sometimes you can't you can't take all of it in. No, you can't. Yeah. Especially with this much length. Um, all right, Dan. What do you have up for us at number one? Number one for me, my longest intro comes to us from the year nineteen eighty seven. May twenty sixth, nineteen eighty seven. Fiction Records, seventh studio album. By the cure. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. This song is called The Kiss. If you don't know this, you're a big dummy. This is 
the first song on the record. It is six minutes and 17 seconds. And the big thing to know about that, because of how long that is, is the intro is three minutes and 52 seconds. So it is a big, long buildup. This is always uh, this is always the record. If like we talk at work about you know the best Cure record, um, if you're a person that doesn't love the Cure, just you know push yourself off a cliff. I don't understand it. This band rules, and I can't I can't fuck with people that don't like them. It's crazy. Like this band's so good, dude. And my debate is always because I really love my favorite Cure record is Disintegration. But this oh, is it's always, the best one. This is always number two. Yeah. I'm like Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me is my second favorite one. Um, I don't know about this being two, but Disintegration's definitely one. Disintegration's my number one, but I think this is this is definitely my number two. This is... It's so fucking good, man. Like, this record, I mean, has Catch, has Why Can't I Be You, has Just Like Heaven, All I Want. Like, it's, uh, it's such a great record, dude. And then, like... And then fucking ends with Fight and Shiver and Shake. Like, it's... It's brilliant, man. Uh, the whole record's like 74 minutes. Um, I think this is Cure's first double album. That may be incorrect, but I believe so. The first double record. I have no idea. And for a 80s post-punk band, I feel like the double record's almost unheard of. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nuts. I mean, I guess at this point, uh, New Order Substance came out. At this point, I don't know if... Because that's also 87, so I don't know if that was released before this or not, but this is just, it's, it's absolutely. So if you don't know about the cure, the cure is made up of Robert Smith is their lead singer and pretty much main main songwriter, bro. Yeah. As well as Simon Gallup, Coral Thompson, Lowell Tolhurst, Boris Williams, and Roger O'Donnell. Um, who was on just like some live tracks for it, but, and then they also have Andrew Brennan on saxophone for some of the songs. Um, it was produced by uh, David M. Allen and Robert Smith. So, I mean, he the dude just is his band. Yeah, he really... Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's basically, they're the reason you buy a chorus pedal. For me, at least, is The Cure. One of like, them. you want to sound like The Cure? You want some of those Robert Smith leads? Like, buy a chorus pedal. Yeah. This song, it... Dude, after this big long intro, it's so like the the vocal that takes over as he just starts like this like heartbroken screaming. It's almost like a wail that hits. And it just uh, it's so good. The lead lines, the keys, the bass is like soaked in reverb. It's really odd. Like I've never really heard a lot like that. It's just this weird, it's it's almost shoegazy. Yeah, for what they're doing, where that's, it's just this, good comp. this unending wall of sound. It's fantastic. What a great way to open the record, and then ends with one big hit fade out note. I mean, it's a perfect way to get you in the mood for the rest of what you're about to hear, which is the second best Cure album, which at the time was the first best because this came out first. True. So at the time, the best Cure record you would heard. So with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number one? All right, up at number one for me is Lux Prima by Karen O and Danger Mouse. And I know we've talked about Karen O and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs a bunch recently, 
but we haven't talked about Danger Mouse yet, so this still plays for me. And this album is fucking awesome. This song, the track Mother, this is one of those weird collaborations that you didn't know you needed, but once you got it, you kind of felt like it was always missing. Um, it's just such a fucking fantastic record. Never really widely discussed among a lot of people. I, I, I don't know. Like, I just... It kind of flew under the radar, but I feel like it's it, it definitely deserves to be brought to light. It definitely was one we bought, we brought in at work, because I was like, oh shit, Karen and Danger Mouse, that's sick. It's, it's I don't get it. Shelf, yeah, I don't no, get it. No it's really, it. really good. Mm-hmm. So this is the second longest intro um, at 3 minutes and 24 seconds. And um, technically, there are some vocal just kind of sounds that happen throughout the intro. But it's not a verse, so it doesn't count for me. Um, it's still that's all still part of the intro. Like I said, I just the the combination of these two on here is just fantastic. Uh, this record came out in 2019. Um, it's called Lux Prima, um, and it kind of just highlights not kind of it's just it's just danger mouse doing what he does best and just putting together these beautiful pieces of music with the fucking funky beats and bass lines that are just incredible i mean this dude was first of all he's not this isn't even the first time he should have come up on tonight's list he produced the michael kiwanuka album that i was talking about earlier but didn't want to mention it because i would have just given this away maybe not given it away but i didn't want to talk about it twice um i mean danger mouse for the 2000 from 2008 to 2015 one of the biggest hottest people in music he's probably. the reason like, you know about the black keys yeah you know, well that, that most people most people the, ca- the a casual keys. person yeah. knows about yeah because he what was it el camino was the first album he started or no, no the one before attack that attack and release attack and release is the first one and he then did, he right. gave everybody uh brothers yeah that was the one that he really was like that's when they really kind yeah. of took a step. And that's when it was it was decidedly less a two-piece band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Attack and Release, you you can see his influence, but it's still two guys yeah, brothers, doing most of it. Brothers, brothers is, is very different. Like, yeah. This is a very heavy Danger Mouse hand. Yeah, yeah. Like and there's... Moving the steering and, the You know, ship. it's got the one with like the Glock and... Not Glock and Spiel, but the harpsichord. Yep. At the beginning of the track, which was, you know, in the running for the Unusual Instruments episode. Um, yeah, just a lot more to what, what they were doing and really what everyone was doing. I mean, he made CeeLo yeah. into the megastar he became after Gnarls Barkley. Um, I mean, he's just a part of so much good music for like 10 years. He was just They decided he wanted to try it himself with the Broken Bells stuff. Which I love. Like, Broken Bells is some of my favorite music. With yeah. uh, If you've never listened to it. Him it's and, uh, him and I forget the guy's name from the Shins. Yeah, the Shins, um, Shins guy. James uh, Jameson. Who knows? James I forget. Jameson. I forget. But uh, Broken Bells is fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where every time he works with a new artist, you're like, you can hear his influence and his involvement, and it just enha- it's an enhancement every time. And him it doing really the, is the Danger Doom stuff. Yep. The Mouse and the Mask mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. Like he's just he's he's one of the most talented producers and songwriters and just overall musicians has ever existed. Um, Gray album, yeah, too. And we've never had a chance to talk about him. Well, we've yeah. had plenty of chances. Obviously, this is episode eighty six, but 
this is the first time we are talking about him, um, and that's why I wanted to include him here. Another intro track to an album, um, so a little bit kind of cheating because sometimes the intros can be a, a bit longer, um, but this song and, is beautiful and, and haunting. Like, and like Karano sounds like like it's almost like a like I don't know the effect on the voice. It almost reminds me of like that like '60s French like romantic jazz. Yes, you would hear I see what like you're that. About, like yeah. You know, it's it's fantastic. It's like, it's like oh, this is like a contemporary of Serge Gainsbourg. Uh, yeah, it's like, a, Ger- like an old ribbon like that? Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah, yeah. not Burl. Whatever. What am I talking about? But no, I see what you're saying. I I I think this sounds a lot like it could have been like a James Bond theme song. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I had another theme song in the list that also by produced by Danger Mouse with the Michael Kiwanuka song. But yeah, it just sounds like it it should have been like a modern Bond movie. Um, yeah. It just has that like epic kind of like with the strings and the, the, everything. And that, that Rhodes organ. Yeah. Yeah. That like that sound is very. I always think of that instrument as very Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. Like that electric Rhodes organ that I'm like, ah. Oh. And the spacey bass lines, like, mm-hmm. which is he just very rare that somebody leaves something on the table like that, and he really does choose the bass notes and where they are very carefully and doesn't overdo it and doesn't overload you with them and it makes it more memorable and there's not many people that can do that um most people try to jam as much shit into a song as they possibly can to fill out everything and just it's like when you watch like uh those those like quotes from george lucas and and the other people involved in episode one where he's like there's just there's things happening all over the screen you're just oversaturated and you're like yes we were oversaturated george thank you that was too much (laughs) there were fucking droids everywhere i didn't know where to look um that's not the case with him and definitely not in this song and it's very just very tasteful very beautiful i i fucking love this record it makes me sad that more people didn't buy it but i can kind of see that First of all, I don't remember there being any promotion for it. I don't remember seeing anybody talk about it, seeing anything about it anywhere. So, I guess it's not crazy for it to fly under the radar. But yeah, he reminds me of like a, like him and like an artist, like a uh, like an M Ward, where you're like, if you want to look into them, there's so much interesting stuff, and they've produced so many cool records. But like, you're like, you almost feel like, you, you like I couldn't if you put a gun to my head and put three guys in front of me. I was like, which one of these guys is Danger Mouse? Oh, I know it. I would like, so I, I'd be dead. Really? <laughs> I, so I got super into, um, there was a video of Gnarls Barkley covering Reckoner by Radiohead. And he, I think, plays drums on stage for it. Um, and it, it's, they, they fucking nail it, first of all, which is awesome. To see like a pop group like that, like cover Radiohead's Reckoner is, you know. Who covers a strong from Radiohead about a stripper? That's kind of nuts. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I. It's always been ingrained in my head because of that. He's, he's he's got a he's got an afro. If he shaved it, I wouldn't recognize him though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you know so. It's almost like to your detriment to have a dis- defining feature like hair, where like once or a beard. And then that's gone, and everyone's yeah. like, like if somebody like if, saw James Harden without a beard, would you know what his or face like? Or like if Rick Rubin showed up clean shaven, yeah, with short like, hair. What even is that? What was this? When did somebody give this homeless guy a job? Yeah, which is weird because usually if you see a man with a long gray beard, you'd assume he is homeless. I know. Yeah, I guess I should have thought that out more before I said it. Well, that's a good point to end it. 
Dan, this was a fun one. Um, luckily, uh, well, not luckily for me, um, I'm going to have a lot of editing to do because I'm yeah, going to have to cut Just all like these, these intros, this has run pretty long. Yeah. Um, so this was fun. Um, definitely got us a chance to discuss some artists we don't always get an opportunity to highlight. So hopefully you're learning about something new or hearing us discuss some artists you like for the first time. Uh, but either way, let us know on social media what you thought of the episode and what songs with long intros that you would have chosen um, instead. Dan. Tell everyone where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at LukewarmSteveAustin on Instagram and D-